are listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. Now, let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about practical strategies to be more inclusive in the workplace. And we'll be chatting with Shirley Adrain, who is the CEO of Career Catalyst Group. And she's also a diversity and inclusion consultant and inclusive leadership coach to corporations in Hong Kong and across Asia. Now, Shirley has seen the importance and proven benefits of creating a diverse and inclusive workforce. In her long career in the financial services, she saw what worked and what didn't and is encouraged to see the positive changes in 2020. And this change, as Shirley, you've said, now needs to be translated into long-term sustainable action. So thank you so much for joining us uh, once again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Great to be back, Noreen. Thanks. We are also uh, live on Facebook as well. If our audience would like to join us there, feel free to do so. Our Facebook page is Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. So do join us there this afternoon. Now, first of all, Shirley, I, I sort of want to talk about um, the terms diversity and inclusion are two concepts which are often connected, but they are far from interchangeable. What do they each mean uh, in the workplace context? Um, well, diversity is, is kind of like being invited to the party. So it's having a team of diverse individuals. So if you look around your organization, you know, are there a good representation of different nationalities, ages, genders, races, um, abilities, so people with disabilities and people with different re- religious beliefs? So, you know, do you see that or do you see all of the, of the same? Um, so that, that's diversity. And inclusion, well, it's almost like being asked to dance, you know, if diversity is being asked at the party. Um, because it's really about making each person feel valued. So it's kind of like fostering a culture and mindset where people can say, I belong here, I feel valued here, and I can be myself here. And because of this, they feel they can take part and contribute and be their authentic selves at work. I mean, leaders can do this by creating cultures that are inclusive and then people will be inspired to perform much better and organizations will also have a competitive advantage. So there's a real business case for having diversity and inclusion. Well, absolutely. I was going to say, why is it so important? I suppose when you have greater representations, you've got more, you've got different ideas. And sometimes when it comes to problem solving, that's really vital because if everybody thought the same, you you might not come to, you know, uh, you know, different outcomes. Yes, exactly. And and, I mean, you know, people expect this now. I mean, definitely, you know, our clients expect to to deal with, with a diverse, you know, workforce. Um, and a recent survey showed that 39% of respondents said they would actually leave their company if it's not inclusive. Um, and people are also not wanting to join com- companies that, that are not inclusive. And they can see that through the interview process. So I, I think especially this year when people have been really thinking about their careers, they've spent perhaps quite a bit of time working from home and considering their working life. They really want to be in a, c- a company where they really feel valued. Yeah. So what other benefits are there to the working life when you've got greater inclusion and diversity? Well, if if you work in an inclusive culture, then people will feel much more inspired to perform better. And then organizations will have that um, competitive advantage. So um, there's important things like psychological safety. Um, So that's, you know, feeling comfortable to be yourself at work. So really opening up 
um, about yourself. Um, because without it, you'll alienate your company, your customers, and you'll impact your performance and, and your contributions of your employees as well. So, you know, it has a real impact to profits and productivity. And, and people feel so much happier when they work in an environment where they can really be themselves. Yeah. Um, so you can't really have inclusivity if you don't have diversity. So, so companies have to focus on getting a more diverse uh, workforce to begin with. Yes. They have to focus on getting a diverse workforce, but they have to focus on keeping the staff. You know, you know, are they retaining the staff? For example, um, you know, if your employees leave, you know, when they have children, or if you if, they, if your LGBT plus employees never mention the sexuality at work, or if only people have a Westernized education succeed, or if your leadership team looks mostly the same, then then you've got an inclusion problem. Yeah. needs to be addressed. Um, one thing that comes to mind is sort of tokenism. When you sort of employ somebody for the sake of tick, ticking boxes, uh, does that often happen from, from what you've seen? You know, so you, you, you hire somebody, say, for example, of an LGBT background, but then they never fully get represented. Or like you said, they don't mention their sexuality. That's mm -hmm. not really being inclusive. No, no, it isn't. It isn't, you know, and, and they are not going to feel good if they, if they think they've been hired because, you know, they're a token minority group. So, you know, really, you know, you, you can hire people, but you need, you need to make them feel included. And that's, that, that requires quite a lot of different steps so that they, they feel comfortable to be themselves. Yeah, I know you also run workshops, um, for example, the Getting Inclusion Right workshops. I'm sure there are many listeners working here in corporations who might want to um, look, follow that direction and just get inclusion right. So how, do, how should they go about implementing these strategies? Um, well, I think, first of all, um, the, the, there's ways that they can do that, um, which I recommend, like, for example, in meetings. So, so leaders in meetings and in conference calls, and Zoom calls, which is most of our working life. Um, you know, really, it's about the leadership team setting the scene and, and, and telling the people, all the attendees that you value different opinions and also have no interruptions. And then encouraging people to talk and listen. Um, and, and I like the, the sort of Nelson Mandela example of, you know, being such a great leader and people try asking him, you know, why is he such an inspiring leader? And one of the things he said was, you know, when his father was a tribal leader and, and he learned his leadership from going to tribal meetings with him. And what he noticed was that his father always spoke last. He might ask a question, but he heard the answers from everybody else and then spoke last. And doing that really helps you know, people, everybody else and the team feel comfortable that they can actually be themselves and also, you know, not being defensive when challenged. So we need to be open to, to people's different views um, and appreciate their opinions. So I think, you know, speaking last and also asking the right questions and, you know, really good leaders ask good co coaching questions. So they ask things like, what are we failing at? Or, we you know, what might we be getting wrong? And what are we succeeding at? And is there anything that we should stop doing or anything we should start doing? And if you keep asking these kind of questions, then people, people will feel comfortable to share what their opinions of, what, you know, of, of how, how to be more successful in the team. So I think that's, that is really helpful. Um, and calling out inappropriate yeah, you know, actions or behaviours. And we have to call them out. I mean, it's no use saying that you're an ally and you support inclusion if you don't call out 
and appropriate behaviours. Um, for example, one client actually stopped having seven o'clock meetings um, when the parents complained that this was the time when parents wanted to be at home and dealing with the children. So, you know, th those kind of things can really help. You know, he, he spoke to the UK office and they stopped having meetings at that time. Um, other examples are you know, speaking to if somebody keeps interrupting in a meeting, saying to them afterwards, look, you know, when you interrupted this person, I saw their face went red and then they, they didn't speak for the rest of the meeting. You know, how do you think that made them feel? So really sharing that because sometimes people don't notice when they're doing something that excludes others. Yeah, it also comes down to individual management and, and leadership style. One thing you, you mentioned just now that really sort of made me think was not to feel annoyed when challenged. And that's difficult to do sometimes. When you're in management, yeah. you have a very clear idea of how you want things to go. And when somebody challenges you or has a different idea to you, you can feel um, perhaps under threat. Or um, So yes. how should you go about sort of, you know, um, being very present and, and looking at it as an opportunity mm -hmm. rather than a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is about being, you know, compassionate leader, demonstrating empathy, um, and, and yes, yeah, stopping yourself from from feeling defensive because ultimately, if people are really sharing their views, then that that's a compliment to you, and they'll keep doing it if you take learnings from this rather than just knock them down. So even if you disagree, then I think it's good to, to acknowledge what they've said and maybe speak to them later if, if you know if you if what they've suggested isn't something you want to do. Because that, that that's really what helps create employees feeling that you know their contributions are actually valid in an organization and they yeah. make them want to stay. What sorts of factors are needed on on behalf of the individual companies you mentioned just now sort of dedicated leaders and that sort of commitment because yeah. without the commitment then you can't really implement any sort of strategies let alone a diversity yeah. and inclusive uh, workplace yeah. what other sort of factors is this reliant on I mean, I think it's, it's reliant on um, having senior leadership really walking the talk and saying, you know, we want to have a diverse and inclusive team where, we're, you know, we're, we recognize where there's issues. So, so being honest and saying, this is where we've gone wrong. So leaders can really be open about, here's where I made a mistake around this and, and here's what I'm doing to address it. I think that makes a big difference um, because, you know, that, that, that just shows that, yeah, they're being listened to. Um, I think also looking at who's around you. So, you know, is your support team at work? Are they all like you? Do they all have pretty much the same, you know, background? And if you do that, then that helps becoming an ally to more underrepresented groups. Um, and, and, and senior leaders doing that can make a big difference. I think one thing that goes wrong a lot is when companies don't really buy into DNI, and they they make the DNI lead report into HR, and the DNI lead you know just runs training courses, which quite often are online, and there's a tick box. And I've, I've definitely had this in companies I've worked with. Every six months, you've got to do this online DNI course, and then you you know that gets signed off. And you know when that happens, you don't feel good about DNI. You 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 know that senior leadership are not buying into it. The best companies now have the DNI head reporting into somebody in the senior leadership team. Yeah, can DNI sort of get in the way? Because you know we've all heard the saying, "Too many cooks spoil the broth." Yeah. And when you've got a, a team of really diversified people and diversified views, it pulls people mm -hmm. apart rather than to a conclusion. Can it mm -hmm. um, often um, uh, prolong decision making? 
Yeah. I mean, it can prolong decision making, but it, it's more likely to get the right decisions and to ha- and really to have the right kind of employees feeling motivated, inspired and staying in the company long term. And, and certainly after, you know, the last recession we had in sort of 2008, 2009, um, companies that actually had a, a, an inclu- diverse and inclusion work, inclusive workforce are the ones who had much better performance in getting out of, of the recession than those who decided to stop spending money on DNI and just, you know, get rid of a lot of people that perhaps were diverse candidates. I certainly know a lot of women who, who were made redundant after, you know, at that time. So companies, the ones who did the best are the ones who actually did the best performance wise as well. So there's a, there's a direct link. Yeah. And like you said just now, you know, it improves efficiency of uh, if if employees feel like they're being listened to, they feel more, Mm -hmm. there's more skin in the game for them. They feel more sort of uh, committed to their workplace uh, as well. Um, Can you sort of give us other examples of of D&I training, not just for management, but also for employees to feel comfortable to to speak their mind or perhaps encourage management for for that sort of strategy implementation? Well, I think things that you can do yourself that actually don't cost any money are some unconscious bias training to uncover your own biases. You don't have to attend a training course. You can do the Harvard Implicit Association Test, which is the IET test. And it's a really good online test. And it shows you your own biases and then you can do something about it. I mean, I did it myself. I've done quite a few of them. And I did it myself and discovered that I have a beauty bias. I had absolutely no idea. But then when I realized that I had a beauty bias, that then, you know, once you've got a bias and you know about it, then you can take actions to make sure you don't act on that bias. What does that so, mean, a know, beauty bias? It, well, it means it's about, you know, finding people more attractive, more attractive <laughs> people, you know, thinking that they're in some way better. So, so you really, you know, when you know you've got it, you, 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 yeah. you, you really, you know, watch, watch your own behaviors. <laughs> so, so you know, anybody can do that. And, and it, certainly anybody can, you know, be an ally and support others in, in different groups and, and really make sure that the, the support team is a diverse team because you learn so much in your career by working with people from diverse groups and if you only you know hang out with ones that are just like you then you're really missing a trick yeah i think this conversation has sort of i mean in in the past decade we are hearing more people talking about getting inclusion right i mean you're running workshops and i think the conversation is there have you noticed a shift in this mindset are companies and corporates sort of looking to invest more in this area to have a more diversified and inclusive uh, workforce yeah i mean i think they recognize that that you know that's how you're going to attract talent is by having a diverse and inclusive team. So, so it's really important to do it is how you retain your clients. And it's definitely what people are expecting now. So, so you know, 10 years ago, I, I, I worked a bit on DNI as a side of desk initiative. So, you know, I was a chief of staff for Global IT and I also ran DNI for them. So I had to try and do that as part of my day job. But now the DNI lead is an important role in organisations, and it's actually you know a role that you know people who hold it often get headhunted to work for other jobs now. So it's it's, it's got a much higher status and, and it's a much more important role. You know, it's always been important, but really it's been recognised as a really good career choice and, and a value in the organisation. Yeah, who usually looks after the DNI in big multinational companies? It's not really HR, is it? Just sort of the individual teams or individual no. sections of the company. Well, sometimes it's, it's part of HR, which you know I don't recommend, and other times it's a separate 
team that report into the CEO or someone in a senior position um, and, and really uh, the ear to them, you know, sharing their, their commentary, making sure that everything that's being done in the company is diverse because now, you know, people comment if you do an advertising campaign that everybody looks the same in. You know, it needs to be representative of the population. Um, so so there's, there's much more work that needs to be done to get it right. And, and so have, having a specific role that covers that is really helpful. Absolutely. And it's not just the sort of um, uh, front of office, also back back end office. You know, you need to have that diversity uh, in, in mm-hmm. all areas of, of your company. Um, finally, uh, Shirley, it's been such a pleasure to, to speak to you again. Can you remind our listeners once again, have you got a website? How can people find you on LinkedIn and are you on social media? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, yes. In Career Catalyst Group, you can find me at www.careercatalystgroup.com, or you connect with me on LinkedIn because I share weekly tips on how to have your best career. So I'm always keen for people to connect. Excellent. Well, Shirley, it's always a pleasure to have you back on. I look forward to chatting to you again uh, in the new year. Meanwhile, have a great Christmas and I'll and a new year, and I'll speak to you hopefully in a month's time. Thank you very much indeed. You too. Thanks, Noreen.